This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. From MPB Think Radio, this is Everyday Tech. I'm Michelle McAdoo here today with Wilts Couture, information technology expert at Newcore Steel in Jackson and Flowood, and IT instructor at Holmes Community College, and Jeremy Thompson, owner of Computer Doctors and Phone Surgeons in Hattiesburg. The chaotic nature of the atmosphere will always make it difficult to predict the weather. However, new technologies are allowing forecasters to develop better and more complete forecasts. So today on Everyday Tech, we will discuss weather technology with our guests, Hunter Dickerson and Tony Cox of Mississippi Storm Center. You can give us a call this morning at one eight seven seven mpb ring to ask any weather tech question or general tech question. That's one 672 Or you can email us at everydaytech at mpbonline.org. We'll be right back after the news. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. From MPB Think Radio, this is Everyday Tech. I'm Michelle McAdoo here today with Wilts Couture, information technology expert at Newcor Steel in Jackson and Flowood, and IT instructor at Holmes Community College, and Jeremy Thompson, owner of Computer Doctors and Phone Surgeons in Hattiesburg. So today, almost anyone can be a meteorologist. With forecast maps and models available through dozens of apps and websites, the amount of data at your fingertips is overwhelming. But what does it all mean? And how do experts use this information? Join us as we welcome special guest Hunter Dickerson from Mississippi Storm Center and Tony Cox as they help lift the fog surrounding weather technology. To join our conversation today, give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four, and online at Everyday Tech at MPB Online. Good morning, guys. I have a whole room full of guys. I feel so special. We got you covered. We okay. are all here for you. <laughs> you are just surrounded by really, really handsome men. I am. It, are, is, uh, wait, I was supposed to say that, not you. Oh, well, I'm just bragging for us, you know. Okay. My headphones must, be, must not be working very well. You oh, said God. handsome guys. Yeah. <laughs> Who are you talking about? Sound like. Yeah, I'll give you a mirror in just a second. <laughs> okay, but uh, we have Jeremy on the phone. Jeremy, how you doing? Good morning. Hey, morning. we miss you. Hey, happy to be here remotely. Okay, well, you're here in the, uh, you're here on the phone, and we I, I visualize you in the seat here, so I can see you. And we're going to work on that hologram thing we yeah, talked yeah, about. Uh, yeah, we are. So, how was your weekend, Jeremy? Uh, weekend was good. Just uh, uh, Destiny Two came out last week, so I spent my entire weekend playing that. Oh wow. Just a computer geek all the way around. Huh? <laughs> oh, absolutely. Okay. And any uh, job news, anything new on the um, tech horizon? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I do have a, a public service announcement. If you go to Walmart or anywhere to buy a computer and it has a 32-gigabyte drive in it, leave it. Do not buy it. you <laughs> <laughs> later. Oh, wow. Okay, so that just went over my head. But, uh, Jerry, uh, Will. 32 gig drive, that's it? Yeah, it's very small. It's a solid state drive. What it is is that the, the hard drive itself is not a hard drive. It's built into the motherboard, and it's a 32 gigabyte solid state drive, which means it doesn't hold diddly. I've so, got four times that on my keychain right now. Right, exactly. So it's, it's, it's a nightmare. I have a couple of them in the shop right now, and they're complaining about them being slow. And you know why they're slow? Because the drives are literally full. <laughs> so yeah, I've not even seen this. I'm, I must, uh, I must go, I must go find one now. <laughs> What's interesting is uh, the HP Stream is one of them, and then I didn't know this, but Dell has also put out one. I, I, it's got to be at least a few years old, but I, I didn't know that these existed, and I'm, I'm kind of sad about it myself. Oh well, well, uh, let's see. Wilts, any news in the uh, iPhone world? We were just talking about yeah, off the new air. iPhones are coming. Yeah. I have honestly, I I was so wrapped up yesterday. I totally forgot yesterday was Apple announced day, so I didn't even look into it. But all I know 
is new iPhones are coming, and I need one. You hear that, honey? I need one. Well, it's knowing you, I'm completely shocked that you didn't. You don't have any information about that. Yeah, I know. I, I well, we, we had at work. We had our um, our annual charity auction started up last night, so we were kind of all wrapped up in that. And I was just doing as I was told all day and making sure we were, you know, taking care of that. And all of a sudden, you know, I get in here this morning and. You know, my weather guys tell me about the new iPhones. Oh, like, wow. oh yeah, there was coming out, wasn't it? Oh my gosh! You're, you got to stay on top of that stuff. I know. I got to. I, I got to so work on this. We've got we got three new iPhones actually. We've okay. got the iPhone eight and eight plus, and then we got the iPhone X. Oh wow! So break it down, so, guys. What's well, the difference? Uh well, okay. So for the iPhone eight and eight plus, it's basically a, a, a seven and seven plus. It's it's a slight step up. You know, a little faster. Little better camera, uh, nothing, nothing too major. I would say. I mean, it's a, it's a, just the iPhone eight. Then the iPhone X is their new one that has uh, no home button on it. You know, the iPhone seven had the vibrating home button, um, but it didn't actually click. Well, now they've completely done away with the home button, and it's a, uh, it's a full display screen, kind of like the, uh, the Galaxy S eight. And now you've got and, the uh, Face ID with that now to unlock your phone instead of the Touch ID. Right, yeah. It uh, it has some kind of a scanner. It has it on both sides of the uh, the top uh, mounting there, up, up where your uh, earpiece is. It's got two little cameras that scan your face. So they say that you can't use a photograph because it gets a 3D shot of your face. So it's supposed to be harder to trick this thing into letting just anybody into the phone. All right, exactly. Uh, all boyfriends across the world and husbands are loving this. They're going to be in line outside now. All the women, we're going to uh, have our picket signs and protest this. But uh, oh every- no, she changed her hair. She can't get on the phone. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then, so guess what, fellas? We're gonna figure out a way to get in it anyway. So you know, yeah. uh, we might be taking your DNA or doing something with your retina. We're gonna do figure it out. Uh, trust, we will figure it out. But Where speak, there's a will, there's a way. Exactly. <laughs> well, it seems that our topic fits right into what's going on in our world today. Hurricanes Irma and Harvey mark the first time two Atlantic Category Four U.S. landfalls have occurred in the same year. Our guests today, Hunter Dickerson and Tony Cox from Mississippi Storm Center, are here to lift the fog, no pun intended, on how technology and weather go hand in hand and help save lives. So welcome, Hunter Dickerson and Tony Cox. Hi, guys. Hey, thanks for having us. How are y'all doing? I know you guys heard some different voices earlier, so you're like, who is that? So that was my lovely, wonderful guest today, and they're going to, again, lift the fog on tech, weather technology. And speaking of that, we've had the last, what, month? The, about the last month, yes. It has been it has been crazy out there in the weather world. So tell me, first of all, introduce yourself, Hunter, and then we'll go to Tony. Tell us what you do and who you are. Well, I'm Hunter Dickerson. I'm, uh, I do the broadcasting at Mississippi Storm Center. I'm very... Uh, I'm the one that you normally hear on our live streams. Uh, I do a lot of the forecasting there, too. We do have a team of meteorologists that help us out all the time. And uh, that's what I do there at the Mississippi Storm Center. Um, Tony, you want to go in and talk about your role? Yeah, actually, I'm, I'm, what I do on the full-time is a RN at a Baptist Hospital in the OR. But uh, I've always been a, a big weather nerd, so to speak, and a amateur storm chaser. And um, uh, basically, I, I'm the field guy. I like to get out and chase. So uh, I don't have the knowledge that Hunter has with forecasting stuff, but I, I contribute by getting out in the field and uh, showing what I see or videotaping or reporting, whatever. So basically, you're the guy out there that I saw this past weekend getting blown away, holding on to a stop sign the with Jim a mic Kentori, in your yes. <laughs> Talking about... If you're in this right now, take cover. Well, what about you? You know, I this whole weekend I was watching. I told you I was obsessed with the Weather Channel. I could not go get turn off, turn it off, and I was watching the uh, weather guys. And I'm like, they live for this. They live, and that's not to say it's a good or bad thing. Because some people say, well, what about all the people that lost their lives or their homes and things like that? But when it's sunny and it's a perfect uh, day, the no clouds in the sky, that must not be fun for you guys. 
No, it, uh, it's rather boring for us. Uh, we hate to say it that way. Um, whenever we have the seven-day forecast that looks sunny with uh, 80 and 70-degree temperatures, it's very boring for us, but uh, we never want anybody's house or life to, of course, be uh, damaged, injured, or, of course, worse. Um, but it definitely makes it more interesting for us here in the weather world whenever we have something active going on, like a tropical system, tornadic activity, or even your summer thunderstorm. Right. Uh, so tell us what a Mississippi Storm Center is and what do you, what you guys do? Well, we started as a Facebook page. We've expanded to a website and Twitter now, and uh, we're all about weather education. We like uh, educating the public, especially Mississippians, on the weather around them. Uh, we have live streams every time a uh, tornadic activity event is uh, going on in the state, and we cover those storms until they are no longer a threat for anybody in Mississippi. Um, we are all about the education of weather, that we like people to understand what's going on with weather, and uh, we also want them to know exactly what's happening outside their door for the next day. So uh, that's what we're about. Um, we've been together for about... Um, Coming up about nine months now, we were started in uh, late January, and uh, since then we've seen likes uh, just go up like crazy, uh, lots of viewers on our live stream. It's really been great, and uh, we feel like we're educating the public a lot on the weather. Okay, so are you a meteorologist, or what is your title? Well, I'm actually the production manager and uh, broadcaster there at uh, Mississippi Storm Center. We do have a couple other broadcasters that are able to help us out, but I'm our main one. Uh, many, if you've uh, watched Mississippi Storm Center, probably heard us. I am not a meteorologist. Um, I am an amateur forecaster, I guess you could say. Um, but we do have a team of meteorologists that help us out in the background and uh, sometimes do come on air with us for our forecast and stuff. So we okay. do have a team with us. And uh Mr. Cox. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> so you say you you are a nurse by trade. Yes. But you are a storm chaser. I am. So with, break down what what is what exactly is a storm chaser? Well, what I like to do is uh, to uh, get my phone, my apps. Uh, whenever there's, uh, I'm a tornado guy actually. Um, so whenever there's uh, a threat or tornado watch, and uh, we look on the, the or weather apps and see possible uh, rotation stuff like that, if if it's where I can get to it, I like to go out and. Um, videotape it or observe it and report it now is that dangerous uh it can be you know well tornadoes weather in general is uh, very unpredictable right but uh typically there's a there's kind of a rule of thumb of uh, the safer quote safer locations to be when you're uh, observing a tornado Mm -hmm. wow. That's why we all, all of our storm chasers, they all have a storm training with a couple different either websites or else they've been to the National Weather Service storm training. That way we make sure they're all safe and uh, not get in harm's way without knowing what they're doing. Wow, they actually have a university that teaches you how to chase a storm. Well, the National Weather Service in Jackson, they hold classes for a storm spotter. Um, there's advanced storm spotter also. That's what I currently have. Um, so there's a lot of different opportunities out there. Really, anybody can become a, a certified storm spotter they won't take the time and go to the classes and there's even online options for your basic storm spotter. wow i did not know that okay i'm learning a lot today and i expect our listeners and wilts jeremy and i to learn a lot about weather technology so when we come back from our break we'll continue talking with wilts jeremy hunter and tony uh, about weather technology to join our conversation or ask any general tech question give us a call at 1-877-MPB-RING that's 1-877-672-7464 and online at everydaytech at mpbonline.org. This is Everyday Tech. Just what the doctor ordered. Join me, Meredith Michelle, with WJSU's Evening Jazz, 7 to 10 weeknights on MPB Music Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. 
Welcome back. You're listening to Everyday Tech. I'm Michelle McAdoo, Wilkes and Jeremy, our technology experts, and Hunter Dickerson and Tony Cox, our weather tech experts. All right. Full house today. Today's topic is weather technology. Now, to be a part of this conversation, give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four, and online at Everyday Tech at MPB Online. Now, before the break, we were talking with Hunter and Tony about how uh, being weather aware and updated can save your life. Um, weather observing started with simply stepping outside and noting what was seen, heard, and felt. But what does it all mean? Now, we have a lot of callers this morning, and we're going to go to the phone lines and talk about meteorology info from a water valley. Good morning, Fletch. Good morning, Fletch. Good morning. Hi. What's your question? A couple of questions uh, about an iPhone and then about meteorology, but not as much the technology of it. Do you guys, can you all explain, uh, you look out, it's a, it's a partly cloudy day, a lot of fluffy white clouds. And there's a completely flat bottom to them. It's like they're sitting on glass. Is that wind shear at that elevation? Is that barometric pressure? Do you know what causes that? Well, um, that is due to the winds. Uh, that can affect how the clouds look in the upper uh, atmospheres. So more than likely what you were seeing with that flat bottom is your lower level winds um, causing that. Okay. And, and as far as, I guess, maybe storm chasing, you hear a lot about... Um, barometric pressure and millibars and, and low pressure. Is low pressure essentially a low ceiling? You see it cloudy, it's likely to rain, or, or what's, how, how do you define that? Well, um, air itself has weight. So uh, low pressure is uh, basically a lower weight of that uh, the air pressure. I'm trying to explain. Um, you know, your low pressure systems bring out your stormy weather. Uh, and your high-pressure systems bring your pretty sunny days and cooler weather and stuff like that. Yeah, normally you remember the big H for happy weather. So, so, uh, okay. but yeah, uh, barometric, barometric pressure is basically the the pressure of the atmosphere pushing down on the surface of the Earth. So, um, oh, to get storms, uh, you need uh, you need lift. You need warm air to go up in the upper atmospheres where it's colder. Uh, as those uh, as that warm, moist air gets into the cooler air, it condenses just like your shower would when you turn the hot water on, and uh, it forms clouds. And the higher it goes in the atmosphere, the the um, water vapor will start to condense. Then you get your rain and stuff like that. Well, with low pressure, without the atmosphere pushing down on that, that gives the um, the water vapor and the, uh, the storm an opportunity to lift up in the atmosphere. Whereas the high pressure, you have a, a heavier weight of air, it pushes down and prevents that uh, increase of uh, clouds going into the atmosphere. Oh, okay. Okay, so almost inverse. Okay. Um, and uh, as far as an iPhone, um, I think it's a 6. It's got about uh, 9 gigs of free space. Um, but it, 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 it will close its application. It will quit what it's doing. Uh, it it'll, won't open up something really slow. That still sounds like a storage issue. Is that correct? Uh it could be a storage issue. It could also be a uh, an issue with an update or something like that. Have you updated recently? Yes. Okay. Uh, it could be an update that got corrupted somehow on your phone, and it might be a good idea to back up your stuff and uh, restore your phone. Um, it just sounds like something didn't take. Now, you could also just wait around for the next major iOS update, uh, which should be, what, probably next week? two? Next to, week. Yeah. Yes, next, next week, week, 11. Okay. Yeah, I would just wait till the next major iOS update and then see if your phone is still sluggish after that. And you may want to also, since you have the uh, 6, I would do the old two-finger reboot, mm -hmm. the uh, hold down right. the power button and that center right. button. About 15 seconds, you'll see the white apple appear back right. on it. That's kind of the equivalent of turning it off and turning it back on again. Right. Yeah, unfortunately, I have to do that frequently. Sometimes, oh. sometimes it doesn't. Um, yeah. But I, I didn't know. I mean, email and text. Email specifically, they don't affect your phone's storage, right? Actually, they will. Anything that's coming onto your phone is going to be at least temporarily stored on there. Um, with nine gig of available space, I do not believe you have a space problem. It sounds more like you have, like like what Jeremy was saying. It really does sound like something's kind of just went uh, went sideways because you have more than enough space. I mean, I've seen phones still able to work on you know fifty k left on them. Mm -hmm. I mean. Um, they won't download anything new. They won't update anything, but they'll still work. You shouldn't be having that kind of issue. 
All right. Thank you, Fletch from Water Valley, Mississippi. Hope they answered your questions. If you do, if your question does not get answered in depth, you can always email the show. Wilson Jeremy are great with answering your um, questions online as well. Next, we're going to go to Jackson and speak with Kevin. Good morning, Kevin. Good morning. How are you? Doing great. How are you doing? I'm wow. Thank you. Right. I have a uh, a weather theory, and I'd love for your guest to tell me if I'm just completely bonkers or if there's any sense to this. Oh, they're ready. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm originally from Chicagoland, and every city and town uh, surrounding Chicago, the uh, major news broadcasters have invested pretty significant weather technology, and so... Um, you'll drive around town and you'll see ABC weather balls or NBC weather balls or all, all sorts of different things on water towers and just all around. Um, and I, and I always felt like perhaps because of that, or I don't know why, but it seemed like weather, um, when I lived in Illinois, weather reports were so much more accurate. And in Mississippi, I feel like, um, you know, all, sometimes there's, tornadoes or there's like really dangerous events and it doesn't seem to be a lot of advance notice or they'll tell you it's sunny and it's rainy or this all sorts of different things and i'm wondering if um there's a lack of investment either by uh, broadcast companies or government agencies or independent groups if there's a perhaps a lack of investment perhaps because there's less people there's less of a market um, and therefore that's leading to less accurate and less predictable uh, weather reports, or if it's maybe because the nature of weather in Mississippi is different, or if, if I'm just entirely off base and that's not accurate at all. All right, well, Kevin, uh, part of that is due to Illinois is definitely a lot larger uh, media outlet uh, network up there. Of course, you've got Chicago, so you have a lot more money filtering in for them for that technology. Of course, more technology such as our radars, you do have some uh, broadcast stations that actually own their own radars, apart from the NICSHRAD that is owned by the National Weather Service up there. So you do have that, and of course, with all that money, they have the ability to see storms maybe a little earlier. And up there, we do have a lot a lot more radar saturation than we do down here in Mississippi. In Mississippi, we actually only have two radars based in the state, and those are at the Columbus Air Force Base and here in Jackson at the airport. Um, we do rely on outline radars to help us out in other areas, but their beam height is uh, pretty far away from the center of the uh, radar, so a lot of times we have uh, some inaccurate information come into us and... Uh, so that's whenever we do see the possibility of stuff down here in Mississippi being a little behind what they have in Illinois, and that's just due to lack of radar coverage and definitely a lot more money up there for uh, chaser vehicles, cameras on every corner, and uh, things of that such. All right. Well, thank you, Kevin, for that uh, question and comment. And we do have our experts in the house, our weather experts, Tony Cox and Hunter Dickerson of Mississippi Storm Center. And, of course, we have our tech guys here, Wilton Jeremy, on base for all of your tech questions. You can We're give us a, ready. Yeah, ready. You can give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four for all of your questions and comments. Now, let's go back to the phone lines and speak with David from Mobile. And he's talking about hurricanes. Very fitting right now. David, good morning. Yes. Uh, <clears throat> um, they used to provide longitude and latitude a lot, but they've kind of gotten away from that. Well, whenever you have the new technologies as we do now with uh, broadcast technology and broadcast graphics, um, that's not normally as... Uh, efficient as it is now to show it on a map and show you where it's going with the cone of uncertainty. Um, if you want that data, there's still websites out there in the National Weather Service. They provide a chart that you can uh, print off and you can go find the uh, tracking coordinates for that storm. Um, whenever the National Weather Service releases a uh, an update on a hurricane, uh, every couple hours they release an update, they do include the tracking coordinates in that update. So you're welcome to go there, and you can write those down on that tracking chart if that's what you're uh, wanting to do there, if that's what you're talking about there in your question. Well, the problem with that is I'm not online. I don't have Internet. And uh, my only source of information is these uh, TV stations. And I just wish they'd provide the longitude and latitude because I still have the old-style hurricane tracking charts. Yeah, we used to do that as kids all the time. We'd yeah. get the tracking coordinates and, uh, and yeah. map them out, and it was kind of fun. Yeah, exactly, exactly. 
All right. Well, David, uh, maybe we can get you some uh, internet service and <laughs> and uh, we can come up to uh, the new technology because that's what we're talking about, actually, um, how technology plays a part in weather uh, forecasting. And uh, thank you so much, David, for your question. All right. So, you know what? Let's get back to our uh, I have some questions about terminology. And when and especially this weekend, I was telling the guys that um, Sunday with well, the sun Saturday night, I could not turn the television off. I stayed glued to the weather channel. I was obsessed with what was going on with Hurricane Irma and just astonished at the weather forecasters in the storm, in the eye of the storm with their microphones, rain, gushing, wind they're holding on to uh, stop signs and uh, with their microphone in one hand and one hand on the stop sign and their dedication to uh, getting the uh, information to the public. But what does it all mean? What does Doppler radar and ra- what are radar stations and satellite images and cones, spaghetti models? I'm just throwing it out there so you guys Meat can balls, talk about it. All. Parmesan Meatballs, cheese. Parmesan cheese. Uh, we got ice cream cones and spaghetti. What does it all mean? So our Doppler radars, um, most of them are provided by the National Weather Service. And what they do is they're essentially a rotating uh, antenna that shoots out a beam and it hits particles in the air such as uh, wind or uh, precipitation and it sends that data back and it sends it either as a negative or positive um, return depending on if it's moving away from the radar or towards the radar. And uh, whenever you have that, that allows us to see rotation whenever the majority of the beams are, say, going out and going away from the radar and then you have some returns that are coming into the radar. Um, That's often whenever we show the velocity map on our screen and you see the reds and greens and where we say they're meeting together like that in a big field of red you see that green in there that indicates rotation so um the radars definitely help us out with that um They've only been around since the late 1980s, so a lot of people aren't aware of that. Um, they've had a lot of upgrades. They've currently got upgrades right now to expand them for, I think, another 20 years. Um, but we do have some new technology that's been put in them called the uh, dual polarization technology. And uh, what this does is it uh, shoots a beam in a different uh, angle, and it allows us for a new product such as correlation coefficient. And with this product, we're able to tell debris signatures from uh, tornadoes and uh, more promptly let you know that there's actually a tornado on the ground. This isn't just a warning for potential of a tornado. We actually have something on the ground here. Yeah, a lot of times uh, you'll hear uh, the terminology of radar-indicated tornado, and that's typically the information that Hunter was talking about, that the the radars picked up a signature um, until it's actually viewed by somebody on the ground, like a storm spot or something like that. Uh, or have reports from maybe the uh, sheriff's department or something like that of damage, then typically they'll say a radar-indicated tornado. Uh, the Doppler effect, or that's used with Doppler radar, it, a lot of times I hear it described to people that don't understand it. Uh, it's the um, the train sound. You, you know, you stand in a, at a crossing and the train's coming at you. Well, uh, as the train comes at you, the the pitch gets higher, and as the train passes you, the sound the the pitch frequency gets lower. It's very similar, though, like you said, the particles uh, coming toward the radar send a, a different signal frequency back to the radar as opposed to the, the particles in the air going away from the radar. All right. <laughs> so when we get back from break, we're going to continue talking about weather terminology, and we're going to talk about hurricanes. Since we had Hurricane Harvey and Irma, we're going to break it down and talk about exactly what a hurricane is and find out what forecasters did before all of this technology. If you want to join in our conversation, give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one 672 7464 And don't forget online at everydaytech at mpbonline.org. We'll be right back after the break. Podcasts of your favorite MPB Think Radio programs are available now. With any podcast app, you can search, subscribe, and never miss a second of MPB Think Radio. Welcome back. You're listening to Everyday Tech. I'm Michelle McAdoo here today with Wilts. 
Montrere, information technology expert at Newcore Steel in Jackson and Flowood, and Jeremy Thompson, owner of Computer Doctors and Phone Surgeons in Hattiesburg. Also in the studio, we have Tony Cox and Hunter Dickerson, our weather tech experts. Now, if you're just tuning in, our topic today is weather technology. We want you to be a part of this conversation, so give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. And don't forget online at Everyday Tech at mpb.online.org. Now, we're going to go back to the phone lines right quick and talk to Michael in Ocean Springs. Michael, good morning. Good morning. How are you? Doing great. Wonderful. Good. I've just got a couple of quick points to make. Uh, there are a couple of quick ideas. The first one is regarding weather and specifically how to keep your electronic devices charged for up to three days pretty intensively after the lights go out. Um, there is a, uh, a jump starter battery pack available uh, at Walmart around $70, and I've been using it in my business for a while, but it's, uh, you can keep your devices charged and do some basic uh, electronic stuff uh, for up to three days of pretty heavy use. Uh, it's a pretty good investment for uh, three days of no lights. Um, and the second point I had to make had to do with the those pathetic computers being sold with uh, 32 gig LCD <laughs> drive. Yeah, Jeremy's still crying down there in Hattiesburg. I heard I heard tears. Two of them. <laughs> yeah, they. Uh, if you're already stuck with one of those, a really good idea. It, it might take a small additional investment, but if you get an additional drive to plug into the computer, you can just put the operating system, usually Windows or whatever, on the solid state drive and have everything else on the regular drive because the solid state drive is fast. So if right. you're just running your windows on it, it, it actually can zip up your computer pretty good. Oh, yeah, that's exactly what I'm going to suggest that these clients do because they are both just chock full of updates and just a few files. I mean, they barely have anything on there. It's mostly updates. Right, right. <clears throat> well, thank you for your show. It's uh, highly informative, and I listen to it every day. Thank you, Michael. Thank you, thank Michael, you. Thank you. from Bye. Ocean Springs. We're going to go to Cornish now in um, had his, I mean, South Haven. Excuse me, Cornish. Good morning. Other end of, other end of the state. Other end. <laughs> Good morning, Cornish. Good morning. All right. I'll hold that against you. <laughs> please don't. Please don't. Listen, I have to. Uh, I have a comment and I have a uh, question. I'm going to ask my question first. Uh, at the outset of this program, uh, you indicated to the gentlemen that you, you invited them to state who they were and what they did. And I was uh, listening to that, and um, I didn't hear their educational background. I didn't hear anybody say, I have a bachelor's of science degree in meteorology or a master's or a PhD in meteorology. Uh, uh, it seems to me that um, if you're going to put out someone as an expert, quote-unquote, in meteorology, you should have somebody that is um, thusly trained. Um, and uh, one of the problems with all of the misinformation that goes out is that you have people just getting up and calling themselves expert in meteorology, um, but they really don't. They're a little bit more than the old-fashioned weather observers that went out of business a few years ago in the 80s. Um, I have a problem with that. And the other thing is, <coughs> I go back to when they had the FTS-77 and the WSR-57 weather radars. That's old. And I just wanted to let you know that things are much better now. I was impressed I'm retired now, but I was impressed with the quality of what was provided uh, in the wake of uh, Irma and uh, Harvey. Uh, those guys uh, and girls, they did outstanding work, and um, they ought to be applauded. It's a far cry than what he had. Um, having to sit down and, and, and plot an old-fashioned, uh, the old uh, uh, local area weather chart. Well, thank you, Cornish. And uh, I know that you are you were a you're a retired meteorologist in the Navy. And um, thank you for yeah, your thank you questions. for your service. Yes, service and um, Air Force. Excuse me, Air Force. Um, and I know you know a lot, and you've seen how technology has played a part in. Uh, 
forecasting the weather. And that's what we're going to actually talk about right now. And if I let my guys talk about their experience and their education in uh, weather technology, um, go ahead, Hunter. Talk about your um, ex- expertise and uh, your background in this again. Well, you know, um, I actually have uh, um, advanced storm spotter um, certification through the National Weather Service. Um, while it's not meteorology, you know, this group only works together because we are a group full of people. Um, I'm just the voice of it here at Mississippi Storm Center. We have meteorologists and stuff. We've talked with them about some of the questions that we were expecting today, and uh, we were prepared for today. Uh, many of them couldn't get off to come here and speak to y'all, um, but... Again, I'm just the voice. We do have meteorologists. We do have uh, people far more advanced than myself or Tony in our weather forecasting department um, that allows us to uh, do what we do at Mississippi Storm Center. And what we do is uh, with uh, Mississippi Storm Center, we we like to just provide another outlet. uh, And we're on Facebook. And, you know, people live on Facebook. So when we see watches and warnings that are posted by the National Weather Service, we try to promptly get that uh, posted on our website so people that are following us can get that. An extra avenue of information is basically what we're doing with uh, regards to that. Okay, so before the break, we were talking about uh, spaghetti models and cones and the terminology that we hear forecasters talking about. But like you said, if I'm watching uh, the weather storm weather center and I'm hearing all these terms and things like that, I don't really know what a spaghetti model is. I don't know what cones are. And tell us what are we listening to? You know. Yeah, and you know, and that's one of the things um, that I really like on this, Michelle, because. You know, even this, this is exactly where we where we try to go with a lot of the uh, the tech every day, and um, there is so much information out there. And the hard part is bringing that information forward in a way that everyone can understand. Because mm-hmm. it's no good if I can only explain computer problems to another computer person. I need to be able to mm-hmm. explain it to the weather uh, yeah, to the everyday <laughs> folks. Yeah, it's, easy, it's a lot easier for me to say. No, and you know, so so exactly. Where would y'all see some of that? Well, um, with uh, technology now, we're able to uh, have our Facebook streams, and uh, especially during tornado warnings, whenever we tell people uh, what areas are going to be affected, um, studies have shown people are not even able to tell. Some people now um, so relying on some technology that they're not even able to point to themselves on a map. So uh, we tell you street by street on where this storm is headed. Um, we do use a lot of stuff, like she was saying, uh, spaghetti models. A spaghetti model is uh, basically a representation of using lines of multiple different models that are out there. We have some models, the Canadian model. We have uh, a couple of American models, such as the NAM or the GFS, the Global Forecast System. And then we also have the um, European model, which is normally a lot more effective at uh, forecasting hurricanes. It was pretty spot on here with Irma and Harvey. While the American models do lack often in our hurricane uh, hurricane forecasting, but they do make up for it here with severe weather forecasting. We generally trust those for that. Okay, so break down what a hurricane is and how do they develop or why? Well, a hurricane, basically, you have to have a pre-existing system, normally off the coast of Africa. It's going to make its way into the warm waters, and you want to make sure that, I mean, for a storm to develop, should I say, you want to have a low wind shear there, uh, low winds, and as it storms out there over warm tropical water, it allows it to intensify. The more rain it dumps, the more it brings back into it. It allows that circulation to get going, and it really brings energy into the storm. And to move it on over here, we do have the trade winds that move to the west and bring and carry our tropical systems over here to the west. Um, The majority of our systems we do see going back out to the east once they get free from the trade winds and just head off and uh, not be heard of again. But as we've seen this season, we've definitely had some that have impacted us here in the U.S., such as Irma and Harvey. And what uh, to piggyback off of what Cornish said at the end of his comment was that he did appreciate how almost spot on the technology was with uh, Hurricane Irma. And we were talking about this off air, but you guys, back in the day, when uh, the weather guy used to go outside and look in the air and just say, okay, I think it's a storm. Mm-hmm. We've moved uh, eons from that. But how did they get the information to people when they didn't have the technology? Well, I mean, back then you had, uh, of course, you had radio stations and uh, things of that such, uh, TV bringing up. Um, but the information, such as the storm day-to-day, um, it was really just based off history patterns and uh, what it was looking like outside. Uh, we didn't have all this technology, such as the satellites. We've got satellites up there. We have a new one that was launched last year. It'll be operational in November, I believe. And uh, we've seen some amazing imagery. Um, here in Mississippi, with that satellite, the GO-16 satellite, it's 
not operational yet, but they have been releasing some pre-operational uh, videos and imagery products from it. And we've actually seen wildfires or uh, small brush fires here in Mississippi from that satellite. So it's really had some impressive effects of uh, maybe not just even our weather, but our day-to-day uh, lives go as far as maybe uh, – not needing, you know, the fire towers or anything of that sort. Now we can view it on a satellite because it's got, a, I believe it's five-minute imagery updating. So within five minutes, we can see that uh, smoke coming up from that uh, from that wildfire and uh, get it out there to the appropriate authorities. So basically we can say technology has really played a, a positive effect on how we keep people safe. Without a doubt. Well, and, you know, and the thing to remember, too, it's, it's kind of uh, strange. One thing I learned as I was looking through this, Doppler really only came on the scene in the 80s. Mm-hmm. So we're not talking about, in the grand scheme of things, all that long ago. I mean, we really are you know, moving leaps and bounds forward, uh, much like what we're seeing in the computer side of things. I mean, the data is getting a lot more prevalent. It's a lot easier to reach out to. It's a lot easier to bring to the people. And like you said, more people can be involved, and it really expands on, on our ability to know to now take a part of it instead of just relying on what someone says, but to be a part of the weather predictions and the weather observations and, and you know, just like we're a, a part of so many other things with technology. And, Jeremy, do you have anything to say about how technology plays an effect with the weather? Sorry, I had my phone on mute. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, no, I've really just been enjoying hearing it. Um, I, I don't have a lot of ex- uh, information in weather. I'm most certainly not an expert, but I really want to thank you guys uh, for coming on the show and sharing all this with us because I'm, I'm tech weather uh, illiterate. Oh, I know. Well, you know, and I mean, how do you, and, and the thing is, especially talking about Mississippi, we pretty much see so many. We see tornadoes. We see hurricanes. We see floods. We see fires. We see... So many of these things going on really do happen around our state, and it does affect everyone from our coastal, you know, from our coastal neighbors all the way up to South Haven, Tupelo, and and all these other areas in between. Um, I mean, you know, it's just we need to all be weather aware. Yeah, we see here. a mix of it all here in Mississippi. We see the snow on occasions, especially in North Mississippi. Um, saw some uh, last year, not a lot, but we did see some. So we really see a lot of. Um, we see a little bit of everything for sure here in Mississippi. So you got to remain very weather aware here. Use some of the tools that are out there. Um, if you're interested in viewing the models, we do have a good website that we use often. That's uh, weather.cod.edu slash forecast. All right. And uh, that's a good site for viewing models. All right. So when we get back from break, we'll continue our conversation on weather technology. Now, if you missed part of the show or want to hear past episodes, you can listen on our website at mpbonline.org slash everyday tech. We'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast. It's very simple. When you log onto our website, there's a purple button that says subscribe. If you click it, exactly. If you click it, you'll be on your way to having MPB's everyday tech at your fingertips. Stay tuned for more Everyday Tech. This is MPB Think Radio. You're a sustaining member of MPB Think Radio. We appreciate your support of our programs. To become a sustainer, go to mpbonline.org. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back. You're listening to Everyday Tech. I'm Michelle McAdoo with Wilts, Jeremy, Hunter, and Tony, our weather guys. Okay, so we're not going to say experts, which we're just going to say that. They are not weather experts, but they are in that field. They, they do this every day. And no, they don't have a Ph.D. in meteorology, but they are. I don't uh, think uh, anybody can truly be a weather expert. Exactly, uh, because we talked about that. Weather is unpredictable. Uh, it's bigger than us. And we saw that in Hurricane Harvey. We saw it in Irma. There's no way to say uh, what exactly will happen yep. 100%. It's an educated. 
Complicated Best Guest is forecast, and that's okay. what it is. Very good. So if you're just joining us, we've been talking about weather technology. Now, there's still time to take your comments and questions at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four, and online at Everyday Tech at MPB Online. So we discuss weather technology, <laughs> the science behind hurricanes. But again, science doesn't mean anything if we're not prepared, correct? Exactly. So in your opinion, what's the best way to stay weather aware? Well, you know, you can always follow us at uh, Mississippi Storm Center. We'll keep you updated. But uh, there's some good apps out there, even some that our chasers use. And one of those is um, Radar Scope. And it allows you to see your velocity data, correlation coefficient, your reflectivity data, which is commonly known as your rain, correlation coefficients, the debris signature I was just talking about. And if you look up their website, um, it's WDT.com. Um, I believe it's forward slash uh, radar scope. They have uh, great tutorials on there to help you learn some of the uh, products, the radar products that are provided in the app. It's $9.99, but I promise you it is well worth it. Um, you'll learn a lot just from the app itself. Um, and then, of course, the National Weather Service, uh, they release uh, good information, especially with our hurricanes. The National Hurricane Center there, they release very good information. And as I was saying, the uh, models, you're welcome to view those. That's a free educational website there at weather.cod.edu forward slash forecast. But yeah, he mentioned he mentioned nine ninety nine, and that was my question. Why are some weather apps free and others aren't? And maybe Wilkes and Jeremy can explain that, or you guys. Well, it's, it's like with a lot of things. Sometimes you don't always get what you pay for, but you always pay for what you get. Um, you know, it, it depends. I, I would, at least in my mind, whenever I'm looking at a paid app versus a free app, I, I am looking at uh, quality of information coming into it. I'm also looking for no advertisements so I can actually get to my information without having to wade through a bunch of ads. And, and again, I'm looking at that timeliness. Um, for example, a lot of dis- different security programs that we'll actually play with. I mean, quite a few that Jeremy and I have mentioned quite a few times on the air. They usually have a free option, but when you pay, you get some more advanced features, um, you know, uh, for example, some antivirus programs come to mind. It's like, yeah, if you if you pay, we're going to update you daily. If you don't pay, we'll only update you weekly. So it's it's a quality of information coming in. If yeah, you, I'm sorry. I was about to say, if, if you're a person that just wants to know, is it going to rain this weekend because we're going to go boating or something like that, Radar Scope's not really for you. I mean, you can get a, a free app like the Weather Channel app or something like that and just keep up with you know seven-day forecast. But if you're into interest, into the intricacies of uh, severe weather and, and all the different um, components involved with that, Radar Scope is a fantastic app to have. You know, and for your day-to-day weather, I would definitely say um, do not pay for uh, an app. Um, the free apps out there are just as good as the um, paid ones as far as your day-to-day weather. Now, Radar Scope's a little different. As I said, it's uh, raw radar data that you can read and learn from. But uh, for day-to-day weather, just uh, stay tuned to uh, your local media, us at Mississippi Storm Center, or your free app on your phone they do just as well and in the end they get their data from the exact same place for the majority of them that's either AccuWeather or the Weather Channel it's just their APIs that they distribute for those apps so you're getting the same data no matter if you're using the free app or the $10 app for your day to day weather okay well let's go back to the phone lines we have a lot of calls um, waiting let's go to Braxton Mississippi and talk to Rosina is it Rosina or Rosina Rosina All right, Rosina good morning Good morning. I live in a, a weak cell phone signal area in the first place, and if the electricity goes off, of course, I have no Wi-Fi. Normally, at that point, the weather's bad enough, I have no signal at all. Do I have any options for boosting my signal? Because I'm one that likes to watch the radar because, you know, I've got an over-the-air battery radio, but that's not that visual where's it going thing. Well, the lack of electricity kind of limits some of your options yeah. there. You can add uh, what are called microcells, which are um, additional antennas you can put inside of your home that connect to your home internet that will actually yeah, boost. Isn't it? Yes, ma'am. Um, yeah. yeah, you kind of get with, with us being in the in the digital age now. It does kind of limit that. The old analogs used to have <laughs> boosters, but I've not seen much that can really boost that digital signal. Jeremy, yeah. have you seen much on that? Uh, no, those microcells are about as good as it gets. Now, you can put an external antenna on something like that outside of your house, and you might be able to boost the signal that way. But some of those things require, like, FC approval and all that kind of nonsense. Um, I would say probably the best bet would be a microcell on some sort of a battery backup. If if you're living that remotely and you need something that's going to last, I would say that'd be a pretty good option for you. 
All right, then. Thank you, Rosina from Braxton. We're going to keep moving forward and talk to Rose from the Mississippi Delta. Good morning, Rose. Good morning, Rose. How you doing? All right. Rose from the Delta, are you with us? All right. We're going to go to Memphis, all the way in Memphis. Good morning, uh, Bill. Good morning. I have a quick question. Do you believe climate change is man-made? Well, um, we definitely put things in the atmosphere that are not good for it, such as your uh, greenhouse emissions and stuff. Um, even driving a car daily definitely can uh, weaken weaken the atmosphere overall. So is there parts of it that are man-made? Without a doubt, there are parts of it that uh, could be man-made. You know, some people don't believe in it. Some people do. I personally believe to a degree there is some climate change going on. You can see it from day to day. Um, we've seen it here recently with the uh, um, iceberg breaking off from uh, Antarctica um, this past summer, and uh, they did lead that to climate change. So you do have some factors that play into that. Tony, you got anything you'd like to add to that? Nope, sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, uh, Bill, for from Memphis. Uh, we want to thank everybody that called in this morning um, for our show. And I want to, of course, thank our guests. But before we go, let's talk about uh, tornado season and what we should do as, um, um, you know, prepare for that. Well, you know, that's coming up here with uh, November, and we've really seen the past couple of years some active Januaries, especially in Hattiesburg this past year. Um, with that, you want to make sure that yeah, you go over your preparedness plans with your family. You're prepared. Um, you may want to go on and have a couple days of food, batteries, and stuff of that sort. Uh, you should always keep that on your own hand. Make sure you have a no-weather radio or a way to access local media or Mississippi Storm Center or any other uh, media outlet that uh, releases weather information on warnings. You want to make sure you have access to that go over your plan like i said and make sure that you do have a safe place especially if you're in a trailer or a mobile or mobile home anything of that sort make sure that you have a plan of action to go somewhere safe i know rankin county now has a safe storm shelter they're building one in pelahatchee also here in rankin in rankin county should i say so uh, make sure you have those options and be prepared if a storm is possible well thank you so much and like we said today technology plays a big part in being prepared with your weather and it goes hand in hand Again, we want to thank our guests today, Hunter Dickerson and Tony Cox of Mississippi Storm Center for joining us. If you missed part of the show or want to hear past episodes, you can listen on our website at mpbonline.org slash everydaytech or subscribe to our podcast. Our board operator was Java Chapman and our phone screener was Gerald Hallman. For Wills Couture and Jeremy Thompson, I'm Michelle McAdoo. Stay tuned for Southern Remedy with Dr. Rick DeShazo up next. And join us next week at 10 for another Everyday Tech.